All right, everybody, you are not hallucinating. We are back on February, or sorry, on what day is it, guys? Tuesday, Tuesday, February 20th. See, I don't even know what day it is. We are back, the Five Hole Taxi Squad podcast. We are finally here, back together, the original drivers for your, oh my God, week 19, week weekend preview look at me i'm even rusty out the gate but we are back so let's jump into your boys in the van cab j start up those fares and uh, let's get into it All right, welcome in everybody, and thank you as always for listening. We are back tonight, Tuesday, February 20th, for your Week 19 Weekend Preview. We are your hosts for the Five Hole Taxi Squad Fantasy Hockey Podcast, Jay Allen. And I have returned, boys, Craig, in the initial driver's seat in the van cab tonight. What's going on, boys? Welcome back to the cab. I know everybody can't see us, but good to see you. Good to be back on the show with you. You and yourselves and Matty K held it down in almost my three-week absence. But uh, good to report that I am 97% healthy along with the rest of my family. So we are back in the saddle. It's been a week, man. <laughs> it's only Tuesday, but it's been a week. Yeah, this. Uh, I guess this ramping up to fantasy hockey trade deadline is going to be really 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 tight i hope people people have their trade targets locked and loaded yeah and i think as always we we thank you for listening and we invite you to like and subscribe wherever you get your fine fantasy hockey content anywhere across those fine podcast providers follow us along on twitter slash x you can find our handles in the show notes you can reach out to us there if you have any fantasy hockey questions we also invite each and every one of you listeners and or if they are not listening get them to listen and to check us out in the discord community 2500 plus strong like-minded fantasy hockey individuals talking everything fantasy hockey and life in general it's just a fun time to be in there and you can find us uh in there on the regular trying to give fantasy hockey advice still don't know how good we are at it but i think we're doing okay people seem to still be following along that's the the nitty-gritty of it boys well before we jump into the weekend preview i think it's important to mention what happened in the nhl last night literally insanity so many hat tricks the minnesota wilds scored seven goals in the third period against the vancouver canucks the Vancouver Canucks seem to be bleeding a little bit, but just straight up insanity. Joel Erickson Eck had five points last night. Matt Boldy had four. Kirill Kaprizov also had five points. Like that game was crazy. And then you had, you know, us talking in our group chat. Allen traded Joel Erickson Eck, and he was hoping <laughs> that Sean Monahan would be his savior. And would you look at that? Sean Monahan gets a goddamn hat trick last night, starting to find his legs with the Jets. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on uh, last night's matchups. Oh my goodness, uh, I'm I'm well aware that there was so much scoring last night because uh, I, I think I said this joke in the Discord already. But uh, who do you think would get more points, the entirety of Jay's skater squad 
or one lone Russian boy named Kirill Kaprizov. Who knew? Who knows? I'm pretty sure he had like 40 points last night in our listening league. So. <laughs> he did in our league. Yeah. yeah. I was outscored by one Russian. One Russian. Hey, I, I probably had my best night ever in the listener league last night. I almost scored 100 points last night. So, And, and for the listeners out there, because the boys haven't really been talking about it, I'm still not doing so hot in that league. So for me to score almost 100 points in a night, it tells you very much so what happened in the NHL. So we are here tonight for the weekend week 19 weekend preview as I try to uh, find my sea legs in the van cab again. Good Lord. I thought it was like, I was like, oh, I'm so amped to be back. I feel great. I can talk. I'm not coughing. This is an excellent feeling. But apparently I have some rust around my uh, my Van Cobb keys. But we'll shake those off as the episode goes on. It's a good it's a good one to jump back into on the weekend preview. But as always, we take the Van Cab first in and around the league for some news and notes and some we start in the infirmary on the injury side of things. And as you guys mentioned on the week preview with Matty K, we have started to see a shortening of the bench in the infirmary with more returns than injuries but that positive trend continues on tonight's episode you know regardless of what vegas is doing with jack eichel and moving him to long-term ir there's still speculation that he's still on track to return at some point this month but you know moving cap space to bring back their best offensive defenseman in shea theodore who returned tonight he was back with his uh, on the second pairing and on PP1. I don't know what you guys think. Vegas rolls their lines, rolls their power play. Theodore had a good season a couple of years ago. He was okay last year. I think with the position of scarcity being the power play one quarterback, as Jay would always talk about, it's good value if you've been holding. Hopefully this gives Vegas some more offensive oomph. A couple of other returns, all defensemen notes. Miro Heishinen, he only missed one game. It was speculated that he might miss a couple. Hopefully owners out there saw this and got him back in their lineups because he had already, he's already scored a power play goal in the second period against the Rangers. Um, and, and then another defenseman returned for the Florida Panthers, Aaron Ekblad. He also only missed one game, but he scored as well. He scored uh, Florida's opening goal tonight against Ottawa. But... Those are your, I guess, injury notes, boys. I can't believe how short that was. I, I'm even able to catch my breath. Now, we'll jump into some storylines and trends before we get into the schedule optimization for the weekend and our top streaming suggestions. But, Alan, I'm interested in your take on this because it's something that I saw recently over the last three games. It looks like the shininess of the streamability of Nick Paul has now no longer viable with Anthony Sorelli taking his spot on pp1 over the last three games with the tampa bay lightning this has got to give sorelli some streaming appeal uh if he can hold this spot especially you know being on the league's best power play converting at just over 30 percent clip on the season what say you alan what say yeah you? uh i guess some but sorelli is center only so that kind of lessons where you can fit him in that net front spot is really the only flexible spot they have on that power play because you're not especially with Surge out, you're not replacing Edmund. Uh, as long as Stamkos and Kutrov are alive, you're not swapping them out. And Point is great in that that slot. So yeah, that Nefront's the only real position you could replace. So yeah, why not give him a shot there? My question to you is, 
is why in the bloody hell don't they just put Hagel back on that goddamn top unit? He hasn't been there all season. Like, I know they're, I they've know. been great. Is he? How big is he, man? I don't think he's a, a guy you have in the net front. Usually try to put a bigger guy in there. But he was there last year. I know they had more injuries last year, but, like, I don't know. He's a better finisher than freaking Nick Paul and Anthony, Anthony Sorelli, whose job is to be their shutdown center. Like, I don't. Okay, your team's had its ups and downs, but their power play is amazing. So, like, it's a lot of downs lately, though. I've noticed. Well, we've you and I have discussed this. Your back end, other than Hedman, you know, it's been good, better with Charnek back, but still kind of holy in that defensive core in terms of stability in your defensive zone. Who knows about robot backman? Who knows? I don't know. Vass is just. Like you guys were talking about Mrazek on the week preview, Vass is kind of in and around that 903-904 save percentage, right around league average this year. I don't know if that's, you know, he's still not 100% from the back injury, but I'm, I'm assuming they're going to make some moves before the deadline to try to sure up that defense. Oh, I heard one name earlier today. Oh, would you <laughs> care? As the rumor... That's the rumors swirl everywhere. Yeah, I forget what's what the the quote source was, but the the statement was keep an eye on Tampa for Hannafin. Oh, great, Jay! Really? Just just oh. another top team competing for somebody that's. Li- I'm gonna, I, I'm fucking doing quotations linked to the Leafs. Our listeners can't see me, but you know, I'm just. Uh, and I mean, and we got Sergachev on uh, Kucherov Island right now, so. We got the cap space. We don't, <laughs> no one has to retain. This is true. This is true. And and I heard, I've read a couple of things that Hannafin, he might want to go to the States. Like he wants to go home, preferably, which is Boston from what I understand. But Boston may not have the cap space for him. I, 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 but I'm, I've read a few things that his camp says he doesn't want to go to another Canadian market at this point in his career. I don't have any hope in hell that, he's coming to Toronto and nor do we have any money to pay him. So he would be just a straight rental for us. But you know, I, I I've heard bits and pieces of Hannafin. I like Hannafin's game. Uh, I think he'd probably be the most significant fantasy relevant piece to be moved at the deadline from a defensive standpoint, especially if he gets an opportunity to get to see some power play time. I don't know if he's a top pairing guy. In my opinion, I think he's more of a second pairing guy. He helps any playoff team. I was gonna say, yeah. All we need, we need depth right now. That's what we need. Yeah. Okay. Don't talk to, don't talk to two Leafs fans about problems on the defensive core. Okay. We are playing guys that most, some, you know, guys like not like us on the defensive core. You don't even know who they are on our our T core. They just come up from the Marlies and they have some magic name, and, and it's like, who the hell is this guy? And he plays well for like two games, and then then he shows why he's an AHL player. Okay. <laughs> the the one thing with Anthony Sorelli as well was that he's joined the power play one when Nick Paul I think got hurt and had like went day to day for a little bit and then popped back. So it's it's possible that it's kind of just a couple of games and like has Sorelli done a lot. Like I haven't, I haven't really not, followed that. No, part. he's more a shut down like two way center than any kind of like goal scorer. He's like a Philip Deneau light, Jay. He's like there we a, go, there we go. He's like a not as offensively gifted as Philip Deneau, but just as good defensively. 
it uh, from a shutdown sin. <laughs> not as offensively gifted yeah, as Philip you, you heard me. Like I think I think Hey man, when he was the one C in Montreal, he was he was pretty good. I think the nose ceiling is like sixty points. I think Sorelli's is like fifty fifty 40, yeah, yeah. fifty right. points, right? So that's not it's like, Philip Deneau light, right? Right. Like Nick Paul's gonna get like I don't know, Alan probably knows way better than I do, but Nick Paul's gonna end up back somehow on that power play one, right? Like he was hurt for a bit. That, that's just how I figure and see it. I wanted it noted to the listeners because it's interesting to see even Tampa with the league's best power play is tinkering, right? And I find that interesting, especially at this point in the fantasy hockey season, because everybody's looking for those opportunistic streamers. And let's be realistic. If you're in a competitive league, your waiver wire is getting thinner and thinner and thinner every week, regardless of schedules at this point. So a guy like Sorelli getting power play one exposure on the league's best power play is, is something to note if Tampa has a four game week and you know, I get he's a center only guy, but if you can fit him in, as long as he's got that spot, there's a little bit, at least from a week-to-week basis, there's a little bit of, you know, something there, I think. Because even Paul saw a couple of weeks where he was very, very much relevant because of that positioning, right? Point to note as well. It's like, I mean, I guess he was power play one, but the very last game Tampa played, <laughs> they didn't get any power play time, period. So we don't even know who they rolled out. The game before that was a 9-2 drubbing with Florida. So, I mean, I think they were tinkering with anything because, like, guys, what the hell? We let in nine goals and we're a professional hockey team defending Stanley Cup champs a couple years back. What the hell is going wrong? The salary cap hits hard, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess you have to pay for all that surgery for Vazzy after his back carrying so much load. But, yeah, like, don't read... Don't read crazy amounts into Sorelli doing whatever. Like as Craig said, like this is this is Dino Light, right? Like this is this is not gonna be the guy that you know miraculously pops thirty goals to finish the season and you know saves your fantasy team. Maybe famous last words. Imagine he does that. My goodness, what a time! It becomes Bergeron Light, <laughs> Bergeron Light from Dino Light to Bergeron Light. Oh boys. I don't know if he has that type of ceiling in him, even with better deployment. But all right, well, that's the news and notes and the injuries from around the league. Now, before I hand it to Allen for schedule maximization, and it being on my return to the show, I thought it only right that I've been holding something in as I listen to other content creators out there and read and even hear some of my fellow VanCab drivers speak on a specific player so i wanted to step into the van cab tonight and speak to the listeners the fellow gms out there that own this man so jay allen i'm just gonna park the van cab for a second if you want to get out have a smoke take get some fresh air i'm just gonna speak to the fellow general managers out there in the fantasy world that own timothy Stutzla of the Ottawa Senators, okay? I want everybody that's talking bad about my boy, Timmy, to take that out of your mouth with soap and listen. I want you to put down what you're doing and listen, okay? Everybody is, oh, 
After his breakout season, Tim Stutzler sucks. And what do you do with Tim Stutzler? And oh, he's underperforming. And oh, he's not what we wanted him to be for a second round pick. And if you took him in the first, you're not very smart. But hey, we don't have to get down that, that road. Listen. Yes, he broke out last year. Yes, he scored 40 goals. But everybody take a deep breath. He's 22 years old. He's still the line one center. He's still on PP1. He's still getting over 19 minutes time on ice this season. Yes, the goals are down. However, he scored again tonight. But let me tell you, he's on an 80-point pace right now. Guys, people out there that own Tim Stutzler or want to bash him and say that he's not good or whatever, that's only 10 points different than last year. Yes, the goal decline is a concern, but let's give the kid some credit. He's on a team, a whole team that has underperformed offensively this year. The entire team. So yes, I know his shot rates are down. Yes, I know his conversion rates are down. However, he has, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he has four goals in his last six games. And he's gone from like a 15-goal pace to a 22-goal pace over the last two weeks. But the, 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 the moral of the story is here. Everybody calm down. Tim Stutzla is going to be right there in the conversation of potential breakout player again for next year ottawa has too much skill to be this bad again if they can keep this core together i don't see how they blow it up at this point going into the trade deadline or in the offseason i know there's some question about oh it's a flash in the pen this it's a flash in the pen that he's only 22 there's room for growth in this player there's an opportunity for him to maintain his ability to play at a point per game or higher and continue to be somewhere in that vicinity of what you're seeing now from a goal scoring standpoint and what you saw last year. So is that a 30 goal scorer, which he could still get to this year? I believe he's at 14 now. If Unless he scored two tonight, I don't know. I haven't looked. He's at, He scored his 14th tonight. So he could still potentially get to 30 goals. So everybody just hit the brakes on the Timmy Stutzel hate, okay? This man is a viable fantasy hockey asset, okay? Especially in dynasty formats, especially in, you know, I would say anything beyond three keeper, like a three keep league, like a four keep, a five keeps beyond that. This is a... I still believe in this player being a true keeper candidate, obviously in a two keep or a three keep, depending on who is your roster. It's, it's different, but there's no, there's a realm of possibility, a reality of, uh, that we live in that Timmy Stutzler can still finish in the top 60 in most league formats. Uh, even how he's underperformed this season. Okay. I said it. I love you, Tim Stutzler. All the hate's got to stop. But we need to get back to the Week 19 weekend preview. So, Alan, you take those people through how they maximize that schedule and you give them those our top streaming candidates to lock in those wins for Week 19. Yeah, man. Oof. I am uh, went outside for some fresh air and I'm ready to go. Schedule. Friday, Sunday, sweet spot teams are Buffalo, Chicago, Columbus and Winnipeg. 
the other teams that play Friday are Edmonton and Minnesota. And then the Sunday teams are Anaheim, Arizona, Carolina, Detroit, Nashville, New Jersey, Philly, Pittsburgh, and Tampa. Now, streamers, he's back, man. The Monahanasance lives. He is center only, 26% owned. Line two power play one with Nikolai Ehlers, the best player on the team. And he had a hat trick last game. Uh, and then Kirill Marchenko, who you could interchange with uh, Voronkov, but Marchenko's right wing, 10% owned. Line two power play two. He's got points in three straight. And then I think uh, Voronkov had like three points in four games, something like that. And then, uh, man, it always hurts to recommend a Chicago player, but Nick Felino, guys, like left wing only, 6% owned, seven points in his last six games. Uh, dude is strapped to Connor Bedard's hip. And that's probably where he's staying all season unless he dies. Um, even then, they'll probably do like a weekend at Bernie's with him or something. <laughs> but goalies, Nico Dawes, 24% owned in Jersey. He appears to be getting some kind of run. Uh, he started tonight, which would be five straight. But he uh, before tonight, he had four straight starts with three wins. So now it's, he's like, I think three and two. Tonight was not good. He gave up, he no. gave up a six spot to the Capitals. And I don't want to digress, but Ovechkin lives. He had a three-point night tonight. He lives. Man. There you go, Jay. Three points. But he scored two goals, man. We can't have him yeah. chase uh, chase the great one. Oh, my goodness. Dude, they're already talking about could Austin Matthews do it, man. There's there's hope. You know, <laughs> Russian machine could break. But uh, Mrazek on Chicago, we just talked about this. He is a 9-1-0 save percentage on the season with Chicago. And a league average is 9-0-3 right now. So he is doing better than average on a terrible team. But I really only recommend that for volume leagues because if you need like percentages, wins, uh, he's not so bueno. And this is probably just go check last call on Samuel Arson, 45% owned. Philly plays a good system in front of him. Well, Torts makes Philly play a good system in front of him. So he's going to be good for volume saves and pretty decent ratio wins. And then uh, Big Boy Bangers, uh, Garnet Hathaway on Philly, right wing, 4% owned. He has 22 hits in his last three games. Oh, my. But <laughs> not to be outdone by current league leader in hits, Jeremy Lazan from Nashville is 30% owned. He has 24 hits in his last three. And then uh, if you're looking for blocks with a little bit of hit coverage, uh, there's Connor Clifton on Buffalo. He's defenseman, only 4% owned. He's a block specialist. With some hits, and I will hand it to Jay. Jay, before you just jump in, I just I just want to give you guys, uh, and I can't I can't believe I'm going to admit this, because he's he was off to a slow start in Winnipeg, but the the Mana Hylasans does live. Okay, he's honest. See, he's yeah, from- Matty K and I were talking about this man. Like it's he just you know it was a coil theory, man. He just needed to get have some pressure pushed on him, and now he's he's springing and scoring he's in a he's on a 60 point pace at 25 goal pace you know if this isn't uh monohana sounds i don't know what is because good lord he was dead for like two years essentially <laughs> guys hit that nail directly on the head i just want to give kudos to that and i did stream that hat trick in a couple of spots and it felt the nice i'm just Double checking too, quick before we jump into this week 19 one, just responding, not responding, responding, but just talking about what Jay's mentioned, uh, Jay, what Craig's mentioned with, 
You're uh, Jay. Timmy You're Jay. Stutes. You're Jay. <laughs> <laughs> um, with Timmy Stutes, what was Timmy Stutes's 2020? I guess like last season finish. Do we remember? Like, did he did he finish top ten, top twenty? Like in overall scoring? Because right now he's around what top? I think I think I, I checked and he's top sixty one in, for example, some league scoring formats that are very bangers. Uh, like I'm just looking at our listener league, right? And are very bangers center centric setup. When I was getting when I was getting fired up for my rant. Essentially, somewhere between your top 70 and your top 100, depending on the scoring in any given league right now. Obviously, and I think I know where you're going with this, slightly more valuable currently in in a bangers league where hits count a little bit more. Uh, you'd, you would see him a little bit more highly ranked. My big one was more so like currently he, in the listener league, which is a very bangers-centric league, he would he is 70 or 75th yeah so he's 75th in the league but i mean that's kind of where we expected him right the only thing i would think that would skew him further forward would be he has a ton of assists he's basically a point per game but a ton of assists as opposed to goals right so given that you'd weight goals more heavily let's say we just banged it flat average he'd have the same amount of goals and same amount of assists kind of like a 47 47 tage thompson style year whatever setup i think that only put him up to like top 55 anyway i think if anything i don't think he's disappointed i don't think he's underwhelmed i think he's just just been him like he's not been this i don't know superhero but he's not been bad like i don't know what people were. i don't know again i i called it like i i thought maybe he'd decline a little bit or stay the same if josh norris could actually put together a full season yeah and like look i think i think the biggest concern for him and the why he isn't scoring at the same click yeah he scored 39 goals last year 51 assists for 90 points but his shot rates are way down but his in his four-year career he's a 13 percent shooter and he's only shooting 9.4 percent yes he's not shooting as much but i think his role on the team has changed and that's obviously going to change what you're doing from a scoring position and an optimization opportunity of those of those scoring positions if your role is changed because if you I don't know if you guys have watched any sense games if you do if you don't I have because I'm a fan of the player and a couple of the other players on that team to me they're trying to shape him more as a two-way centerman right like a being able to play in the defensive zone and in the offensive zone. So I think that's taken him some time to adjust to this year, those new found responsibilities defensively, where last year he didn't have to do that as much, and he wasn't being asked to play in those defensive positions or defensive moments of the game as much as he is now. The shot rates being down is an interesting one, there isn't really a clear answer to why that is other than maybe the change in role and the responsibility that he has on the team. But really when your whole team is down offensively, like that's going to hurt any offensive player, regardless of how good they are, you know, McDavid and dry aside and Kucherov aside, but like, again, Kucherov's on the best power play in the league. I know he's the driver of that power play, but, when your whole team is down offensively and you're also asked to be doing a different role, 
you're going to your point, Alan, you're going to see some offensive regression, but especially magnified from a breakout season, right? Where you scored almost 40 goals, where you were being allowed to, to do things a lot more offensively focused, not to mention the team around him was also scoring at a much higher clip. Like look, look at Giroux. He's had an okay season, but he's not having the same season as he did last year. And Giroux was primarily Stutzla's line mate for the majority of the season. And with Norris having trouble staying healthy, Stutzla hasn't really been playing with Giroux that much compared to last year. So I think that's also hurt his his offensive production. But, you know, people in the fantasy world only see what's in front of them. And it's like, oh, a 39-goal scorer to a, you know, let's be realistic. Is he going to score 25, 27? Maybe. He's only on 14 right now. You know, that's a that's a decline. But I think... You know, if you if you dig deeper at it, and I know that's our job, not necessarily the listeners out there and your casual fantasy hockey guys, there there are actual reasons around that, right? And if he's going to evolve into a better hockey player, like Jay and I know, look at what happened to Willie. He got paid, and then he just stopped playing. I could have called that, got the bag of money, and the guy who doesn't like to play two-way hockey just decided he was going to stop playing. Has has Willie dropped off completely? No, no, Forward. he's just he's just slowed in his pace. Like he's still doing well, but, but he's still not, got four goals in the last four games. He's not he's not hasn't shown since he got paid to be the player he was before that time period. Where again, like in, I'm not I'm not sure that Tim Stutzel will ever be the goal scorer that Austin Matthews is. But I think you also saw a decline in Austin Matthews' play last year because he was being asked to become more of a two-way player. And now you're seeing Austin Matthews adjusted to that role this year, and he's back to being that elite offensive player that he was, but he's still playing exceptionally better defensive hockey a year and a half into that change in responsibility, right? And that's... What the hell? William Nylander has 72 points in 54 games? Oh, you didn't know that, man? Where you been? That Get down from insane. the north. <laughs> that seems insane. Okay, anyways, um, I I did read something online that really resonated with me with Ottawa, and I think the big question that that team is going to have to answer, similar to Buffalo, Brady Kachuk is, you know, Brady Kachuk's what, 24, 25? Like, he's entering his prime. Has he played any playoff hockey yet? And then I think the phrase that people default to is give them time. And then you also pause and think about players like like Mitch Marner, people would say was, you know, like he's a pretty good hockey player. He's not going to be a otherworldly generational, you know, like piece or whatever. Or maybe he is, some people might argue. He's never missed the playoffs. Right? His dad would. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> Alan. <laughs> but, but, again, it, but again, that's another player, highly offensively gifted, he shaped his game around playing better two-way hockey. He, he was put on the penalty kill two years ago. He's seen a shift in his offensive production. It isn't pushing the 100 points ceiling anymore. It's in and around that point per game, in and around that 85, 90-point threshold because he's playing better defensive hockey. And I think that's... In, in organizations that are trying to p- 
push their young players to play winning hockey. I think that's an inevitability for the secondary tier of elite offensive players in the league because to sustain production to get the big bag of money unless you're putting up 60 goals a season or 140 points a season like McDavid or 110 like McKinnon well then people don't really give a shit if you play defensive hockey or not right for the fantasy relevance here what we're really saying at the end is look at Brady Kachuk the man has absolutely smashed like my goodness it's he is great to own. It's, it's just you see him and it's a joy. But you notice, look at his stats. He has tons of shots. He has tons of hits. Very few blocks, right? And I think there's nothing more emblematic of Ottawa's struggles where you only get shots if you have the puck. So he's shooting a ton, which is great. And if you look at it too, he's what got 25 goals, 225 shots. So that's a pretty, you know, decent just under possible what, 13% league average percentage conversion clip. That's not it's 11, bad. It's 11%, but for such oh, a 11%. high such a high volume shooter to be only a 9.7 career average converter. Like he's just not he's not an elite finisher. He just shoots the no. puck a shit ton, right? <laughs> like Right. And then you would almost compare it and say if he's playing with Timmy Stutes and Stutes is that sort of offensive talent where Timmy, to be honest, like Brady Kachuk has never broken a point per game. I don't, I don't think, or at least if he has, it's once in last, a season and last, that's it. last year. Again, when the team was scoring at an obscene clip, he had 83 points last year. And Timmy still outscored him in his first or second year in the league. So if there's one premier elite talent on that team, Unfortunately, it's not Brady, but Brady is taking all them damn shots. So there is a huge question here on maybe what's happening right now is it's not that Brady Kachuk and God, I have him in certain leagues and it's a joy. It's just incredible. But truthfully, his great fantasy hockey is not related to Ottawa Senators successful hockey. And maybe it's he needs to pass the damn puck more and he's hidden he's hidden and it's great but why is he getting so much hits probably because they're not getting enough ozone time and you know what defensive stat is pretty damn luck lackluster and missing in his repertoire he's got 24 blocks probably give some well i don't know he's the professional hockey player let him do it but if anything you're breaking down the play i'd say Look, you're giving all this ice time and all this ability to Brady Kachuk, but he's, you know, he's taking some of that away from maybe some more elite, offensively gifted players that are playing on the same damn line. Anywho, that's almost my own Timmy Stutes slash Brady Kachuk rant there. Look at me bringing the fire again. Jay fired back up. We just, we just back where we all belong. Sorry, right. sorry, Maddie K. We've turned, we've turned down the efficiency and we've turned back up the ranting. <laughs> But Jay, go go for it. Take the people through a deeper strategy look into the weekend for week 19. Okay, so imagine your week 19 weekends. You're entering into the Thursday and the sun, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And what you're looking and seeing is, okay, first, I'm going to check for th- three games in four nights. So if you are looking for late week 19 weekend streams to shore up and add to your games played, you have a ton of options. So... You have Carolina, Detroit, Nashville, New Jersey, 
the Rangers and Tampa Bay. So for Carolina, look for a couple of names such as like Jacob Slavin. Michael Bunting, for example, gets power play one, but is easily the worst of all, you know, power play one players to own on the Canes. Uh, but he's only 28% owned, so maybe you're you're scrambling around to find some value there anyway. There's a back-to-back involved, so Spencer Martin could be worth at 5% a spot start stream. Carolina's still been pretty on fire. I remember the other day I looked through, and I think they had a 7-3 and three in their last 10, and they must have won because now it's 8-2 and two in their last 10, so... The spot start is really hoping for a win. I'm not really saying Spencer Martin is anything earth-shattering, but at 5% ownership, you could definitely go a heck of a lot worse. So just a couple of names Dude, to rattle this off. this might be the time to stash Freddie Anderson. He's like, there, was a, there was a false alarm that he was going to start the other night. They're actually He's actually practicing with the team now. Hmm. Who's stashing him in the listener league, Alan? Hmm. <laughs> hey, I drafted him and I hung on to him because I, yeah, I had the IR slot. Absolutely. And uh, Kachekov owners, like you might start quibbing a bit in your boots, but don't, don't do anything rash quite until, you know, Freddie actually takes to the ice. Another team that's valuable with Detroit, you got a couple of bang on 50% ownership guys right so the first one you have to mention first is uh, Alex Lyon he's a 61% ownership but somehow if he's still available he was the incumbent backup to start the season for Billy Huso but the way he's played honestly I don't think Huso's taking that net anytime it's kind of like a Grubauer decord situation in Seattle same cross applied in Huso's hurt again anyways so yeah what did we think about Reimer shutting out Calgary a couple days ago like this is what I'm saying. I'll just like burn them all. Like just put them like just put them all out of their misery. Well, that's what like Goalies. I don't know earlier that day, man. I felt like that was going to be a trap game. I'm like, no, nah, Calgary's got this, but I don't know. I think I think Detroit's cooking. Goalies Maybe don't make they might take that. Goalies don't make any sense. It is it it's the most mind-boggling position in all of fantasy sports across all sports other than like what what's an example Maybe the pitching pitcher i don't know that's that's just as volatile i can't even like think of one anymore like running backs in football because of the way that the the game has evolved in the nfl but like it's just it's mind-boggling to me like james reimer does absolutely nothing for two months and then he gets a random start one start and he gets a shutout if any of you listeners out there streamed Optimus Rhyme for that shutout, you know, good good for you. You can see the future. Devil's advocate here, right? Like that shutout happened to be like what his first started six or seven games. Like, I think it was he's... eight games. Oh, more than that. I think it was I eight games. He hadn't started in like over two weeks or three weeks or something like that. So like good on good on yeah, but at the same time, I really hope if you're thinking in terms of average games like that he's actually playing and the Red Wings are playing, like he he had to have gotten that damn shut in order for his spot to even be worthwhile. Like that is that is not great value in terms of games played over. Like the Lion is not going to give up his net. And Detroit is not going to hand over the net or starts even to Reimer just because they'll take and collect the shutout and the two points and move on with their day. A lion's never going to back down from an Autobot J. Okay. Never. (laughs) Rawr. Indeed. Okay. 
So other guys to consider, right? So Lucas Raymond, he's hovering right on that bubble, right? So he's at 48% left right wing eligible. He's on the second line. He gets power play one. He's going to be the next guy of value and note, mainly because he's playing way better than the other guy that's kind of slumping for a bit. Like Debrinkat is kind of, yeah, it's it's been a rough little little bit for, for the cat, but... Uh, Lucas Raymond has stepped up in his absence, and with the good schedule in the Week 19 weekend, he's probably good value to hopefully do something in three of those four nights. Nashville, Allen already mentioned Jeremy Lozon. It's it's so insane, because if there were 157 hits in 55 games, I would still be like, damn, grab that streamer, and then he's at 257 hits, and it's like, I don't even understand these like video game numbers. Like, How is he doing this in these games? Does Nashville just not have the puck at all? But at 38%, more two out of the three leagues, two out of three leagues just don't have the guy owned. And he's just kind of floating there. And the other two guys would be Colton Sissons, Gustav Nyquist. Sissons gets power play two. Nyquist gets power play one. They're pretty lowly owned and should be available. So just depending on that schedule with Nashville, you know, pick those guys up uh there's a couple of new jersey guys that are interesting as well so there's curtis lazar he's at one percent owned center only doesn't get any power play time but he's got 136 hits in 49 games so uh, i figure with that sort of deployment and peripheral production check the schedule uh nico dawes is definitely the high value target because he has started five straight games for the devils uh could be because vanacek is hurt could be because they don't trust Kira Schmid. Uh, whatever it is at 25% ownership starting five straight games. Yeah, you want that. You absolutely want that. The Rangers have Willie Cooley. And he's a left wing 6% ownership line three guy. He's got 179. That's a big boy banger right there, Jay. 179 hits in 55 games. Yeah, you want you want the bangs. You absolutely want the bangs. And... Two more guys, and they're basically the next level Rangers compared to the top 98% ownership guys, right? So we got Alexis Lafreniere and Keandre Miller. The vast majority of leagues, they might be floating on the wire, or maybe it's like someone in your league is particularly targeting those guys only on New York heavy nights, heavy weeks, and then dropping them immediately on New York light weeks. Tampa has three names here. Probably I should bring in Allen's expertise, if anything, here. But there's Nick Paul, Anthony Sorelli, Darren Radish. I know we talked about the other one before. Allen, who would you uh, who would you target out of those guys? Well, since Sorelli's got the big PP time, he's the guy to go with. But uh, yeah, obviously watch practices and stuff to make sure they don't just slot Paul right back in now that his health's not in question. It's sad, right? I'd, I'd really just want real access to any of the big four. But yeah, well... Beggars can't be choosers. Nick Paul or Sorelli, see who's there available. And then Darren Radish, if you're unfortunate and have to even tap down to the power play too, which doesn't even have Sergeyev now, right? So it's a it's a tough time. Now, after you've gone into those specific teams and you have, I guess, tried that strategy or that strategy isn't going to maximize games for you, other strategies include targeting the Friday-Sunday off nights, right? So a couple of teams there are already relevant because they have pretty good early schedules as well, like early off nights, so they should already be taken up, but if somehow they're still hanging around available, Buffalo, Chicago, Columbus, Winnipeg. So from those guys, in Buffalo, I would target J.J. Paterka, 
Casey Middlestat, Jordan Greenway. It's been a really tough time knowing which guy is going to end up starting, uh, blowing up and scoring, or going to get that extra time together on the top uh, units in the top power play. Uh, Tage has gone through some cycles where he's been pretty, you know, it seems like he's old Tage, and sometimes where it's like he's really, really cooling off. Uh, Jordan Greenway, for example, 1% ownership, line 2, power play 2, um, and I remember the guy getting like two goals in a game, and, you know, it seemed like, wow, this guy could be really breaking out. Uh, who knows, right? Like some of these guys are, um, well, it's it's Buffalo. It's not good. It's not good. It's... It's it's tough, right? This is a team that was supposed to be challenging for top three in the Atlantic, and it's it's a tough time, right? So I think Buffalo right now is going through the segment of we're really trying to get these young guys gelling together. They obviously have the offensive talent and have shown it. Um, not really sure what's going on, but it for fantasy relevance, it bodes a little stranger because you're getting some of the players hoping for consistent night in night out power play one time, and that doesn't really show up on Buffalo's waiver wire the next team doesn't have that issue and i couldn't believe it when i saw the perspective chicago has seth jones at 50 percent ownership it's dropped since the last time we recommended a chicago player or just seth jones in particular because last time he was at 53 percent ownership so i'm not quite sure why but don't let this week 19 weekend be the weekend where you decide to let seth jones just sit there and waste away I know in the listener league, I just forgot he existed and just didn't add him until another manager got him. And you know, oh, no, I don't... saw him there, but then I just didn't want to own Seth Jones. So <laughs> I think that's I think that's the right call. I think that's the right call. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, okay. There's there's different there's different schools of thought, but the important part is if this guy is it's Papa Felino that you want riding shotgun the to yeah. to his son Connor Bedard. As Craig mentioned too, yes, Felino, 6% ownership, Bedard's back. Hell yeah. Jason Dickinson, 6% owned too. He's on line two, power play two. He got all the time that Bedard kept, and now that Bedard's back, it's reasonable to think that he'd vacate all that time and he'd become nothing, but he's actually continued playing at least, what, 18 minutes a night, so maybe there's still room for both Bedard to improve and Dickinson? Columbus, reminder again that Boone Jenner, uh, it's good that he's actually ticking back up because I think he was at 38% ownership, but now he's at 47, so it looks like people are being aware. Um, yeah, like, so center left wing, he should always be, he should always be uh, relevant, so to speak, so long as he gets on the ice. Line one, power play one. Other guys that are on line one, power play one on that team, like Johnny Goudreau is actually more highly owned and has been on a recent point streak. Okay, cool. What's he on his point pace now 51 points great great <laughs> well and and crucially as alan mentioned he tends to go on uh free skates rather rather not too infrequently so uh you you better hope he damn scores or assists on something yeah talk he's... about someone who got the bag and quit trying oh yeah oh yeah he pulled <laughs> yeah. the he pulled the old phil kessel i'm just gonna I'm just going to do nothing and I'm going to eat Snickers and drink pop during periods and smoke Frick, cigarettes man, after games. Yeah, he loaded up those bags and then just tied those bags to his back and continued skating with the extra drag. It was ridiculous to see how slow this man's become. But 57 point pace and an 11 goal pace. I'm giving Johnny Hockey a slow clap for all of those people in the 
tier eight in cupful that chirped the crap out of me in the first month of the season for dropping him. I told you so. I told you so. I told you. Columbus is an interesting one. I mean, you're you're gonna expect this team to lose probably five two, four two most games, but with three guys that we all like on the team, so it's fine. Just you know, just, <laughs> let's get Boone, let's get Jenner and Rowinski and Merzlikens to another team. Rowinski's never moving because he makes way way too much money, but the other two maybe. <laughs> Winnipeg is the last team that has the Friday Sunday off night. Uh, just a couple names just that we have to don't mention. talk about Pionk. Just say the man's name. He scored again tonight. You mother. Is in your Monahanasans. God damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, Monahan, my goodness, 27% owned. I, I think people started dropping him like crazy because obviously it was line three in Montreal. But yeah, the trade, wow, that is immense value and great, great deployment. Uh, he's getting power play one just this time. And I mean, not going to shit on any of those players. He, has a, he had almost 19 minutes again tonight, three shots on goal and scored in the third period. Yeah, it's absolutely marvelous, honestly, for Monaghan's situation. Obviously, before, he was still playing with great hockey talent, right? Like, Matheson's not a bad hockey player by any stretch of means. Uh, Suzuki, Caulfield, like, these are these are still pretty good players, right? Obviously, giving time and hoping time for them to gel together. But, man, getting to play instead with Shifley, Kyle Connor, Morrissey, right? Like, the, it's a better hockey team in Winnipeg, and I don't think any, I don't think that's any, like, bias or slouch against uh, the Habs either. They have an exciting team uh, upcoming, but... You know, it's the Jets, right? Like, this team is literally challenging in a Western Conference with the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche. Like, the, the Winnipeg Jets, if they win their games in hand, will finish or, I guess, have a point lead on these guys. Obviously, if they win out. But this, for Sean Monahan is an immense opportunity. Like, dude capitalized. Dude had, you know, a slightly slumping year together with the Flames, signed his short-term deal, and now can honestly... A slightly slumping year? He only had, like, 24 (laughs) points. He looked like he was, like, going into retirement. He could barely skate. He did the Goudreau, and I'm so sorry, Johnny Hockey, for throwing you under like this, but he, he absolutely did a disappearing act without the bag. And it's it's good to see that, you know, hockey players now have a chance. Like, Monaghan's got a decent chance if he plays well with the Jets to command some serious, you know, serious attention. Get overpaid as a UFA, yeah. (laughs) The cycle continues. Good for him, you know. Your your career looked like it was over, and then all of a sudden your legs started to work again, and now you have a chance to win a Stanley Cup and get the bag of money. In what I want to say, it's like his tenth year. Yeah, he's ninth, what, ninth, ninth year, 30. ninth year. Yeah, he's twenty nine. Ninth year of the league. Yeah, he hasn't scored over fifty points in five straight seasons, and his last season over fifty points was that huge breakout season he had with Calgary in 2018-2019 where he had 82 mm. points. And that's his best output of his career. Be- even before that, he had never scored over 65 points. So he literally went from an 82-point-per-game point player and in five years, he only played at most 70 games once no more than 55 games after that for four straight seasons. And now all of a sudden, 
as Alan said, he's going to sail into free agency and get a four-year deal at probably like $7 million a season or $6 million a season, something like that. Good for you, Sean Monaghan, at 30 years old. I wish I could get that contract, but I can't even stay healthy for three weeks because of these goddamn toddlers. It's a good time, obviously, for the and Monaghan. You, and you guys can just end. relish in that you guys called this uh, in the very early on of our... I mean, everything was there. Like, he was finally free of injury. There was no one coming for his minutes. It made sense. Just so surprised with how many times Jay disagrees with you and I, Alan, that he agreed with you on that take. And it held, and it's, and it's real, <laughs> and, it, and it's happening... As much to my despair, that that this is now real. Who knew all we needed was a catchy coins overused term and phrase? Who's who's the other guy? The original Monahan Assads. No, the, he is. He's the first. Oh, guy. it was the Benessons. Benessons. That was where I, that was where I took it from. Right. <laughs> we have the Ryan O'Rebirth, which is still going strong, by the way. Which is still going strong. He's still on like a 73-point pace, that guy. He slowed down Jeez. a little bit, but he's still on like a 70-point pace, which is crazy. Friday and Saturday, there are two teams with a back-to-back, Edmonton and Minnesota, and Saturday and Sunday has Philly. Okay, so on Friday and Saturday, if you're looking for the back-to-back, Edmonton's like the same two, right? Like Matthias Ekholm, Warren Fogle, uh, and then Calvin Picard or Calvin Pickard? Calvin Picard is... You know, he's he's round, and they can't play Stuart Skinner in every single game. So, uh, he's probably going to get one of those back-to-backs. Philly has a fair number of really valuable players that I, I don't know if it's, like, a general schedule thing. It's actually, not, like, a, sne- a sneaky, like, when we were prepping for the show. Source of value. Fa- Philly has Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday this week. So, like, if you can fit them in, you might get three games... Like, if you, like, doubled up on Dallas to start the week, your Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back, and you can now drop a Dallas player like a like a Marchment and pick up a Fairby, you got five games from those two streamers. That's that's a, that's a nice sandwich, Philadelphia and, and Dallas Stars sandwich right there. It is indeed a Philly cheesesteak. Or, wait, is that? Is that a real food? Yeah, I think it is. Anyway, so, so there's Joel Fairby, Travis Sanheim, Sean Couturier, Sam Atkinson. All these guys are in 40% owned, right? So, and then, like, these guys are weirdly, like, line one, line two, power play one, power play two guys. Like, these these kind of just, like, flopped away. Like, you, you'd be scrambling to grab any Ranger that is getting any sort of deployment or minutes that is so valuable. And yet on Philly... That's the torts effect, man. He doesn't want you to score. He wants you to win games like 3-1 and 2-1 and 2-1 in overtime. He doesn't want scoring. Mostly 2-1-0. Right? Yeah, 1-0. Very boring hockey. Granted, they've not been good over their last 10. They're 4-5-1 and one in their last 10 right now. So they, they're they in a little bit of a Philly slump right now. Alan, you also mentioned uh, Urson, right? Like, how, how owned yeah. up is Urson? I think it was 45%. As I said, like this is probably last call for him. Hundred percent. Yeah, if you're, I would say uh, so. Fishing around for zero G options. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on the situation, how you view it, um, Carter Hart is not going to be fantasy relevant for a very, very long time. And 
that most importantly for you, listener, in the upcoming 23-24 season, in the playoffs, yeah, it's it's the Urson show, basically. I Unless in the next three weeks, Philly makes a very big goalie trade for any of the other goalies. Elvis? I don't, I don't know. Like, so. Oh, man, yeah, he would, you know what, I... He probably played at least a year under Torts, man. That <laughs> ooh, that could be a good match. They need goalie help, but this somehow they're still in third in the Atlantic too. Like I even with this slide, so hmm. Elvis yeah, Merzlikens this, to the Flyers. This Metropolitan Division is terrible. So it's ter- it's oh, terrible. Goodness. If you look at like the teams past Florida, the Rangers. And and Kara, no, well, even Boston in their last ten hasn't been great. The only teams that have been good in their last ten is Florida Rangers, Hurricanes, the Leafs, and I'll throw a little bit of love to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Red Wings. But everybody else is crap. Even Boston's four, four, and two in their last ten. I was even looking at the Metro, and I'm I'm just flabbergasted at the goddamn Pittsburgh Penguins. They have so few points, but they, they s- lost again tonight in overtime too to the Isles. But it's like, do they win every game five nothing and lose every game like three two? Like, how do they have a positive goal differential and everyone else around them is just languishing in red? Like, what the hell is happening in Pittsburgh? They see. I don't know. Anyways, and anyways I should I should have probably put this guy in our closing section, but Joel Fairby is. On a bit of a breakout season here. He's got a 60-plus point pace with a 26-goal pace. A uh, little sneaky value. He does a little bit of hitting, does a little bit of blocking. You know, if you need help on the left-wing side of things, he could be a longer-term hold, especially if and when Philly gets out of this slump that they're in. Him and Tippett have been kind of back up in that upper tier of 18, 19, 20 minutes time on ice over the last three weeks. Kind of torts going back to what he was doing with his lines last year in the second half. So that kind of only bumps up Farabee's value as well. Yeah, no. So obviously listening through, there's your Philly players. And yeah, aside from that, uh, there is it. That is it. That's your week 19 weekend strategy. And I will throw back to Craig. Before we park the van cab, we'll do a quick sign-off with long-term pickups and or hot guy check-in. I've just got three for you tonight for you guys to consider, and we'll try to do rapid fire here, and we'll get the hell out of here. These long-term pickup suggestions that you guys out there in fantasy land should consider, and I'm going to try not to butcher the second guy's name. Alan, you mentioned him on the Week 19 Week Preview, Wyatt Johnston of the Dallas Stars has been on a heater as of late. He's only 35% rostered. That dual eligibility gives him a bump. Um, I believe they still have uh, two more games this week as well, but he has six points in his last five games, 19 shots on goal. He's averaging 17 minutes, 22 22 seconds time on ice during that span. He's on a 57-point pace and a 26-goal pace on the season. The only bump that I see even though Dallas does roll their lines, he isn't on that top line anymore with Hints and Robertson. Uh, Pavelski's back up there with with them. Uh, he's been bumped back down to the third line center. Now that gives him value in faceoff leagues now that he's back at center, but he was on the left wing of that top line. But Dallas does roll their lines, so I th- we think that there's definitely you know long-term value We've mentioned Winnipeg a couple of times, 
especially in this weekend preview. Uh, but a guy that we didn't touch on, Gabe Velarde, center right wing. He's only 27% rostered. He has six points in his last five games. Make that seven points in his last five games because he, in fact, scored twice tonight, not once. In that time, he has 13 shots on goal, and he's averaging 16 minutes, 37 seconds t- time on ice during that time. He was, he's was he been really quiet up until the last three games since he returned from injury, but he did go right back into line one, power play one, when he returned, and he's been holding those spots since. So this is definitely a guy who is heating up again, similar to what he was doing at the beginning of the season. And then last but not least, and this guy has been scorching hot and this kind of coincides with the sean monahan from uh, the jay and allen side of things and forgive me out there habs fans i'm going to do my best not to butcher his name uh yuri slavkovsky of the canadians this young man has been on fire since monahan got traded because he has been promoted to the top line and the top power play his minutes have skyrocketed he has 12 points in his last eight games 25 shots on goal he's averaging 19 minutes 11 seconds total time on ice during that spend he's only been held off the score sheet twice in his last 12 games since that promotion to the top line in the top power play he has 14 points in those 12 games He's playing with Suzuki and Goal Caulfield, uh, Jay's favorite hab. And I think, guys, this is, for me, he's 50% rostered, so there's definitely people tapping into this. This is the guy you need to just go check. He actually was on the right wing as well uh, in the last couple of games uh, on that top line for the Habs. If he can get dual eligibility, I think that gives him even more value. He even hits a bit at a two hits per game pace, and he blocks a bit at a two blocks per game pace. So this is a guy who has value in bangers leagues and in points leagues. If he's still out there, I think you've got to tap in on that because I really don't see at this point in a rebuilding Habs world, especially with Monaghan gone, Slavkovsky losing his his deployment at this point. Does he stay at a point per game pace the rest of the season? Probably not. Guys, this is a big, beautiful winger in the making. But yeah, boys, I think that's it. It's good to be back. It's good to hear your voices. We hope you enjoyed as always. And thank you out there in listener land for listening and the support this season for the Taxi Squad, Matty K included, has been phenomenal. We can't thank you all out there in listener land enough and in the Discord and the five-hole community out there. Uh, We will be back real soon with the, like I mentioned earlier, the week 20 week preview. And you're going to see my smiling face for the first time ever because I will be with Jay and Alan on our live stream for our sits and starts for this coming Saturday. So we wish you all the luck in your week 19 matchups. Let's go lock in those wins. Good night, Jay. Let's park that fan cab. Let's turn off those fares. Get into it, everybody, and it's all love. You know what, Preds? I still would have let you go see you, too. <laughs> we'll pick you up later. Later.